Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lockman, along with Amanda Stein. And it is so good to have you with us, Amanda. And thank you for all our listeners throughout the revival of the official <laughs> yeah. Devils podcast, which uh, we did this year. And it's been a regular feature on NJD.TV and on social media. And it's been a blast to get to know Devils players off the ice, and I think we found a lot of interesting personalities. We really, and, and like personalities that you probably wouldn't get when it comes to like talking to players in the locker room because the locker room just feels so much like work, like office. Um, but when you bring them into this environment, especially, you know, they know you and I really well, so they feel comfortable, and so they open up a little bit, and you're right. We learned so many things about so many of these guys that – you know, you've been here for a long time. I've been here for three years that I never knew to begin with. No doubt. And and we will play back some excerpts from some of the top interviews over the course of the year uh, in just a short while here. But we do want to talk about what the year has been about. Shocking, surprising, unfortunate. Use whatever adjective you want. I think everyone in this building, mm-hmm. on this team, around the league, uh, struggled with why things turned as they did. Yeah, and if I had the answer for you, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair. Um, I, I mean, it is. It, it it has been quite shocking if you look at the off season, all the moves that were made. Um, but you know what they say: like sometimes you're one team on paper and another on the ice. And you know, really, I think they can be that team. But just the little breakdowns that kept happening and and continue to happen, though, I feel like we've sort of turned a page in a way and are in a new part of the season. Um, and then it felt like when one thing was going right, something else was going wrong and nothing ever sort of connected together. And you're right. Like so many things have been different and we're only three months into it. Yeah. Are we three? Yeah. Three months. Yeah. The good news is though, things have turned a little bit mm-hmm. as we record this and hopefully 2020 brings more wins than losses, whether or not, or how it impacts where the devils are in the standings that remains to be seen. But I think we all just come to the building players, included coaches, mm-hmm. management, content reporters, et cetera, <laughs> radio announcers, just wanting to be involved in the game. In other words, yeah. have a chance and feel that there's something at stake. So uh, I, I won't set any bar as to what would make this a successful final three months, but just win a little bit more than you lose. Yeah. Hopefully a lot more. And again, you never know what will happen, but just make it interesting, be competitive, and let's just have some fun and look at the future. Yeah, you do have to look at the future. And I think you have to look at the future by addressing what's happening right now, because a lot of these members on this team will be back. It's such a young team that you know that this core is starting to develop into what the future devils are going to be in terms of leadership, in terms of all those things. So this is a huge opportunity, you know, whether, you know, whether you win or you lose, the way you handle this will only make you, you know, hopefully a better player in person. So let's start playing some excerpts from some of our favorite podcasts through the year. And we know that this guest, this next guest will be here for a long, long time (laughs) because he signed a big extension earlier in the year, one of the big bits of good news that came from the Devils. And we're, of course, talking about Nico Heischer, selected first in the draft back in 2017, but now locked up on a long-term extension, and he is a foundational piece. But as we addressed earlier, we found out more about (laughs) all of our players, what they're like off the ice, away from the game. And in this case, back home in Switzerland, Nico Heischer sharing his thoughts on his home country. 
when you left, what what's the thing? Actually, you know what? Even now, what's the thing you miss most from home in Switzerland? Uh, just other I gotta, than your family. Yeah, I gotta go family. with that. <laughs> family and friends. They're listening. Yeah, so yeah. Gotta, <laughs> you know. But uh, other than that, I think just uh, just all uh, like Switzerland. Yeah, like just the way it is. It's it's really nice there and. I mean, it's just like I like the mountains. I like yeah. go out there. I like you guys been to Bern, so that's where Beautiful. it's Beautiful. Bern was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, amazing. I love it there so much. So uh, it's always really exciting going home during summer for me. I, I read an article last night. Now it was translated, so some <laughs> might get lost in the translation. But one of the things, and, and you touched upon it, one of the things that it said that you do really miss, the mountains. Now, those are mountains. Yeah. Those we are might real say, mountains. Now, yeah. you get out west to the Rocky Mountains. They're comparable in some ways, but the Alps are the real deal. The mountains yeah. we talk about around here are just More high hills. hills. <laughs> 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 no, no. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But Yeah, it's for, even for me, though, when like, when I'm gone for like eight, nine months, coming back, I'm impressed. <laughs> but like, I've been there 15 years. And when I was, f- no, like 17, mm-hmm. then I moved to Halifax. So 17 years. And then when you come back, like these 17 years, you don't really, you never like, you don't think appreciate about it. it the yeah, same yeah, way. You never yeah. So it was literally the first time. So I went to Halifax when I was 17. When I came back as an 18 year old, that was the first time I was like, whoa, like, what? From my like hometown window, I was like, "Was this mountain like <laughs> that big all the time?" Like, so you you start to like see see it when you gone for a while. Yeah, you skied earlier, right? Oh, you, yeah. Did you ski I, some of those mountains? Yeah. When I, so where I grew up, I didn't grow up in Bern. So where I grew up, Notters, mm-hmm. it's uh, in, right in the Alps. It's like half an hour away from the Motherhorn. Wow. So it's I'm Beautiful. like. 10 minutes I'm uh, at the skiing area so I used to ski a lot is it does your family ski is that yeah like everyone y- yeah even now my dad and mom during winter they go are you a good skier uh I actually was, wasn't bad okay. and I switched to snowboard at the end oh yeah I I started skiing and then when I got older I switched to snowboard what do you like better at the end I was uh snowboarding so snowboard I guess. did you like those jumps and stuff yeah like i oh, love really? i love doing some freestyle stuff yeah <laughs> i i like, like to do you like grab like the i don't know what they're called yeah you i had like some <laughs> i didn't know this yeah, yeah we did me and fr- my friends we we went like out where the powder is yeah and like build like by ourselves a big uh how do you say like a mogul like a, like yeah, a, yeah where you can jump or a hill yeah and then we did, yeah, we did some backflips and front flips. Is uh, there a video of this? Yeah, can we find uh, that? I might have one on my laptop. I'd like to see We're going to need to see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna need Ray Shiro and John Hines would prefer <laughs> that it's from the past and not the present. Is that in your new contract? You may not. No, <laughs> I haven't. So that's the thing. I haven't been on uh, snowboard skis probably now five years. Yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, five, six. Yeah, yeah. you don't want... <laughs> no, no. Here's the good thing, though. Whenever this ends, and it's a long way, and I'm not talking about this interview because it's not going to be that <laughs> long away, but the career ends, the mountains will still, still be there, there so still you there. can get back out there I and agree. ski. Maybe not doing backflips at that point. <laughs> By then, no, maybe not. Just yeah. go smooth, yeah. uh, slowly.
I have to agree with Nico as we did in that segment. Switzerland's a beautiful oh, it's country. Amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I feel so lucky that we got to go there with work. You know, <laughs> it's an expensive country, but it's absolutely beautiful. Well, from one snowboarder to another, we had a chance to speak <laughs> with Mackenzie Blackwood. He has had an interesting path to the National Hockey League played the game, stopped playing the game, and then had an unfortunate mishap, which <laughs> kind of turned his career around. So take me through your snowboarding experiences. <laughs> I, I trust you've put the snowboard away for a while? Yeah, well, I actually retired off a broken wrist, so oh. uh, that's okay. what forced me to put the board away. I was I was playing, uh, I had just made double A and then double uh, A hockey, which is the medium level mm -hmm. in Thunder Bay. I think I was 13 when it happened. So 13, I was playing. Uh, took a trip to Minnesota. We There's a pretty cool snowboarding hill there. This was like in the middle of the hockey season too. So this is, goes to show you how serious I was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I took a really weekend deep. snowboarding trip <laughs> during the hockey season. So yeah, I went up there with a, my friend and my family and, you know, first first day we were there with maybe probably even the first hour try to get all fancy you know, fancy trying to take the big jumps you know yeah <laughs> and uh I, it was really icy and uh i lost an edge and i just came down on my wrist and it just broke like, like completely snap. i was holding it and looking down at my hand and my hand was over here like i was holding it like this and my hand was that's 90 awful. degrees to the side. I was like, yeah, it's not right. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I need that for my yeah, hockey Yeah, that doesn't too. work. <laughs> That's not the way it's supposed to work. But, you know, I uh, <laughs> I got snow machine or snowmobile down to the, the lodge. They uh, put, like, my parents drove me to the, the hospital there in the, in the States, got a cast and had to drive five hours back home with it wiggling all the way oh home. my gosh uh, yeah. right so, to go back home and get yeah there. <laughs> yeah so that was a tough uh tough last day of snowboarding that was the last day i've ever snowboarded yeah, so yeah, yeah. retired on a high what what is the if you can take us back what's it like when you're on a snowboard though when you're taking some of those jumps and uh I, at the time i just thought it was it was like fun it was like free or like just out there with your friends going at your own pace just you know kind of just enjoying it so I don't know I found a lot of joy in it um there's a lot of risk with like injuries obviously with wrists and bones and all that uh jazz for sure I mean I've had a lot of injuries while I was snowboarding and I didn't even do it for that long so <laughs> <laughs> maybe but, you right made the right career choice I, yeah. more time in the medical ward than perhaps if you stayed on that snowboard. yeah for sure I, I don't think it would have turned out too well if I kept going after that so um no I mean that was the last time I snowboarded but I definitely enjoyed it and it was a social thing too like all my sure. a lot of my friends did it and you know it used to be one of those things where we just go for go on the weekends and just go go snowboarding and it was it was a lot of fun did you have like a sean white look though like <laughs> did like, you have the toque on and the long flowing hair like were you were you into not only the, the culture, sport but the like culture 100 percent. yeah yeah, yeah uh, absolutely i was so what did it look i like? bought in 100 percent. i mean that's good like that's yeah. a good mentality yeah. i didn't i didn't just did you, dip my foot in yeah. i jumped it yeah <laughs> so what, did you have like the longer hair uh i've always kind of had longer hair till just recently i mean this is the shortest i probably ever had my hair okay. so yeah shoulder length 
So, oh yeah, definitely, really? definitely shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We have to get some we're gonna, photos. Yeah, we're gonna need to find some photos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any? Uh, I could probably dig some <laughs> up. Yeah, you're gonna need to do, provide those. Do you think that not playing hockey hardcore from an early age, I mean, you're playing because it was fun, and then you give it up and you yeah. come back to it, has helped you in some way? It's. I feel like it's helped me, and it's both helped me and kind of made it uh a little more difficult in both ways uh one because you know you have that passion that early passion for it so you know you might be a little more excited or you might be a little more hungry or you got more to prove you're trying to chase people to catch up so uh you might have a little bit extra drive or whatever but uh i think the other way it might have hurt me is uh you know the culture of it what's expected of you i kind of just fell into it so um you know, what's expected of you. It took me a while to figure out exactly what it took to be like a professional hockey player. I didn't just, I wasn't like molded to that my whole life. I kind of just fell into that. So as I started playing pro and higher levels, it kind of was an adjustment every time to, you know, learn what was expected of you, the lifestyle, what to do away from the rink, what to do at the rink. So I think that side of it was a little bit more difficult for me, but, um, the on the ice stuff like that, I think it definitely helped because I was always hungry for it, chasing it and trying to get better. One of maybe the biggest story this year for the Devils is the play of Mackenzie Blackwood. I mean, especially of late. I think at the beginning of the season, everyone was was trying to find their groove, but Mackenzie seems to have found some sort of groove, a confidence. And when you talk to him a lot, he just talks about his own maturity. And I think that's really mature to be able to talk about your own maturity and how, you know, you've changed over the last year. I mean, we have to remember he just turned 23 and he really does have the weight, a lot of the weight of the franchise because he's become the number one guy. And shortly after our next guest turned 18, (laughs) he became the number one overall pick in the draft, Jack Hughes. What an exciting time that was when Marty Brodeur stepped to the microphone before the entire body of people gathered at the draft to announce that this is who the Devils were going to take. It was really cool. It was quite a moment. And I think most people knew that that's where they were, the team was leaning. But you never know in those moments, right? The draft is somewhere where there's always surprises. And in the end, it was Jack, and he's been here, and he's just been a delight to watch. And he's also, you know, you've seen him progress in terms of his ability. It's not easy to be an 18-year-old in this league. No, it is not, as the de- uh, the uh, devil select Jack Hughes over Capo Caco. And in the whirlwind of his coming back <laughs> from the draft and spending time moving around New Jersey and meeting the media, we had a chance to sit down with Jack Hughes and maybe in the early morning hours. It was, I was unfair. Say it was about like 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it was unfair, but we grilled him, maybe I did, on Jersey. He probably knew more things than I did. Just turned 18. Do you have your driver's license? <laughs> yeah, I do. I heard Nico didn't have his, right, or something? No. He, I think he had his back in Switzerland, but yeah, right. not over here, and he had to, like, redo the whole testing mm-hmm. thing when he came over to North America. Yeah, so so you're, you're a step ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> but you've not experienced... Jersey, Jersey driving. driving. It's exactly what my dad said yesterday. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Pretty easy driving in Michigan, but. 
Yeah, so I don't know if Dad reviewed some of these things, but first off, you know when you stop to get gas, you don't have to pump it. Mm -hmm. In New Jersey, somebody pumps it for you. You're not allowed to pump it. Correct. You're not allowed. Yeah, that was news to me, too, coming from Montreal. That won't be bad early in the (laughs) the morning or in the winter. Exactly, exactly. So just tell them how much you want, what grade you want, and pop open the cover to the gas (laughs) tank, and you're good. The good life. Exactly. (laughs) It's sweet. All right, here's something else. We have circles in New Jersey. So the idea is you're driving down the road and you will hit this circle where you can make a kind of a, an easy right. You can kind of make an angled right. You can go halfway around the circle and keep going on the road you were just on or spin around. And we have jug handles. If you want to make a left, you have to begin by making a right. I, I can see the look on I'm your face. I'm learning this too. Don't worry. I'm, I'm right in there Not with you too. Not all the time. But on a busy road, you'll come to a light and you'll say, well, I want to make a left here. You can't. You have to take a jug handle, which is just as it's described. It looks like a jug handle. And you have to make the right. You come around to the light again. Then you go across the road and make the left. There won't be many left-hand turns. <laughs> yeah, poor Jags is going to keep oh, going right. I don't want to scare you before you get on the right. road. Here's the last thing I'll tell you, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is the biggie because everyone – I remember Zach Parisi asking me one time, like, what the heck is going on with these people in Jersey? I don't get it. You're at a light, red light, and you want to go straight. person on the other side of the road has the signal on they're going to make a turn. When that light turns green, he will cut you off to make the turn. Every place else, now eh, wait, you go. You're supposed to go straight. T- trust me. And on a busy morning, the guy behind him is going to make the turn, too. <laughs> so just be prepared. Will be. Just be prepared. And a couple other things. Here's a word you'll hear in Jersey. Jeet. J-E-E-T. What's that? I don't even know what that is. Jeet yet? Are you hungry? Oh, did you jeet yet? It's not did you eat. Jeet. J-E-E-T. So when you hear that. You'll I'll try something. to. I'll try to get that in my vocab for the summer. <laughs> and at the end, we're going to do a little question and answer about pork roll or Taylor ham. And the last thing is the statement because I talked Jersey. So I'm telling you, it's awesome. I, I've given up. People ask me what I, I miss about eating meat, and they go, oh, you might miss a nice steak. No, no. It's the junk meat, as I call it. It's bacon, and it's like Taylor ham because it's fatty and so delicious. But there is this Jersey. You'll get it maybe a little in New York, a little Pennsylvania, but it is a Jersey thing. And if you live in the northern part of the state, it's Taylor ham. If you live in the southern part of the state, they call it pork roll. But it's the same thing, and you will love it. A pork roll and egg, a little ketchup on a nice bagel or a roll. Oh, dude, it's the best. So that just going to give you a little, little. I'll try it. I'll try it. Yeah. North Jersey, though, you have to add pork roll and cheese. I'll throw okay. a little cheese on it, too. Sounds good. <laughs> Maddie, you're, you're really setting them up good. You've taught them how to drive here. Yep, trying to help a brother how do you out. Eat? Is there anything you don't eat? Like, is there anything that you just don't like at all? Um... A lot of people have tried to get me to eat like guacamole or avocados. Oh no! Won't eat that. This is terrible. No. This is terrible news. <laughs> tomatoes. I won't eat tomatoes. But 
other than that, I'm kind of full-fledged. Anything you put on my plate, I'll eat. I'm wow. going to say the guacamole is a curveball. You very rarely hear, yeah. I don't yeah. like guacamole. Yeah. I just don't like Not it. Not your thing. No? Okay. Have you tried it? Yeah, I've tried it. Yeah. All right. Well, at least you tried it. Yeah. yeah. I don't, you know, I don't go for those people who say, I don't like it. Well, did you try it? No. That's me. <laughs> That's me it. as a tomato. I've never touched in. Really? Never will, yeah. Jersey tomato's the best. Really? We'll, we'll, try to, <laughs> we'll, try to, we'll try to convince you otherwise. Yeah, I don't know about that. So did, did you feel like your toes curling a little bit as Jack was trying to figure out what Jersey was all about? Because you had a similar I, I experience, I had a very similar experience. I didn't know what it was all about. I just sort of moved here blindly. I'd been to New York City many times, and but really my only perception of New Jersey was, this is terrible, but it was like the Jersey Shore TV show. So like, <laughs> I, and I didn't even really watch that. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it's been awesome being here. And I think, you know, you're really seeing Jack. Um, I, I think he obviously knows a lot more about being here now. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, my thought is that the uh, Jersey marketing slogan should be Jersey. You just don't get it. Because oh, most like people that. don't. Whether I it's really the, like yeah, that. Whether it's the Jersey Shore yeah. or you fly into Newark Airport and you look over an industrial part I, of the that's state. That's actually really smart, man. Yeah, because those, once you get here, you realize how oh, beautiful it's, it's it is. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, a newcomer to New Jersey is someone who you were familiar with from your days in Montreal, P.K. Subban. And boy, what a, an amazing reception he was given and received. Yeah, it, I mean, we had the rally here and just the excitement when he, you know, when the trade was made at the draft. And it was really cool for me because I did cover him for seven years. I was in the building for his first NHL game. I was in the building for his first, first NHL goal. And then all these years later to be reunited was really cool um, just to see those paths cross again. An incredibly popular figure who transcends the sport. Uh, he has over a million followers on social media on his Twitter account, but so too does his fiance, Lindsay Vaughn. And we were privileged to sit down with both of them and found out how they first met. I do promise this won't be in. Uh, all access, you know, Hollywood access type of show. But how did you two meet? <laughs> oh, you going to tell that story, man? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, what parts do you want me to keep in? What parts <laughs> do you want me to leave out? Uh, we uh, we met two summers ago. Um, I've only been to two SBs, uh, so my first SBs was when we met, and it was uh, after our team in Nashville had went to the Stanley Cup final and. I decided that I was going to, I said, you know what, it's been a long season, I'm going to go out to LA and, and take in the ESPYs for the first time, and I had an opportunity, I was going to be a part of the monologue and the start of the show, so I was pretty excited about that. So I was on the red carpet with a few of my buddies, and really was just there to have a good time and enjoy the experience. I had never really done the whole tour of the ESPYs and Nickelodeon, uh, you know, a Teen Sports Awards and, and all that stuff, so I was like, I'm just going to go have some fun. And I get there and I was distracted, you know, by there's a screen on the red carpet and it shows like, you know, the, the celebrities or athletes that are coming up next. And it's like, oh, a woman's athlete, Lindsey Vaughn, and she's got this black dress on. She looks smoking hot. So I'm like, wow, she looks really good. And I, I the only thing I really knew about Lindsey Vaughn at the time was that she won a gold medal in Vancouver and she was really good at skiing and she's good looking. I didn't, you know, but I never really seen her. In anything other than like really her ski like suit. So it's the first time I saw that. So it was kind of top of mind because I did an interview like literally a minute after that. So I got the first question I get 
Um, and it's um, oh, it's really hot out here, PK. You're in a three-piece suit. How do you feel? And uh, my response was, "It's hot out here, but it's not as hot as Lindsey Vaughn looks." <laughs> so obviously, that garnered some attention. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, I don't know if it was good attention, but well, I mean, you can you call it what my it is. attention nonetheless. <laughs> I got her attention, and uh, you know, um, yeah, she at the time, you know, couldn't really engage at all, but she didn't know anything about me, so she didn't even know who I was. She's no, like, all I knew, I've been friends with his manager, Jill, for a very long time, and so uh, once I found out that that was her new client, I was, I had some choice words for her and for PK, but, um, you know, he, uh, we talked uh, several months later, and, um, and then we ended up meeting up for Christmas. That was our, we say our anniversary, our first date was uh, Christmas Day, so was yeah we he, we he made up for his interview by coming to my house for christmas and so that was also the first introduction to his exuberant personality as well i'm sure oh yeah was not expecting that um he uh he has a lot of energy a very charismatic person and uh i think that that was the other thing that captured my attention minus his uh <laughs> words on the red carpet <laughs> <laughs> well it worked and so here the two of you are and uh you know shoot your shot that's and, <laughs> and that works shot. in life and on the ice hockey rink as well hey you know what it it, it comes in different forms in different packages mm -hmm. right wayne gretzky said you miss 100 uh, percent of the shots you don't take exactly so shoot the puck there shoot you the go. ball shoot the puck no doubt in my mind, that's the first Jersey Devils power couple this <laughs> yeah. organization has ever had. <laughs> that's actually a good point. I didn't even realize that. But yeah, you're right. And they, they've been great to have around. No, no question about it. Lindsay, who's very busy, is not here all the time, but... When she is, she just blends right she in. She watches all the time, though, because if you follow her on social media, as I do, she's always watching the games and tweeting about them. And not, no, mostly she's more of an Instagram gal. Nice. Uh, I would just suggest she listen every once in a while, too. <laughs> right. Sorry. She doesn't sorry. know what she's missing. <laughs> Me and Chico. No, I get it. I get it. So, another big free agent uh, who came to the New Jersey Devils, PK was a trade, but a guy that the Devils signed, Wayne Simmons. I did not know Wayne. At all, I Me just either. knew him as the player on the ice who played with an edge, and I wasn't sure what we were going to get <laughs> exactly whether well, we would like him or not. He, I mean, the reputation was great, but I'm like, hmm, how's this going to be? Well, I, I think what was so great about talking to Wayne is you really saw like his softer side, and he sort of exemplifies. You know how people say like, oh, he's the toughest guy on the ice, but the sweetest guy off of it. I think that kind of sums up who Wayne Simmons is. No question. I am a firm believer in you do not judge a book by its cover. And no matter what somebody else says, and not that I heard anything bad about Wayne, you make a decision based on your relationship with the person. And he has been terrific. As we know, the Devils organization, very involved in hockey is for everyone. It's a National Hockey League and NHLPA initiative. And Wayne Simmons uh, talks about when he met one person who broke barriers. What did you do when you were growing up? Was it that typical, I'm on the ice, I got to play? Um, a lot of hockey. I'm not going to lie. My dad took me skating when I was three years old for the first time um, at the Scarborough Town Center. They used to have an outdoor rink right behind there, so he'd take me every Sunday. Um, you know, He'd always you know, bribe me with hot chocolate and stuff like that. <laughs> That'll so, do it. Yeah, so it was easy. I, he'd take me there every Sunday. I'd go skating. Not Sunday, sorry, Saturday. So I'd go skating, and, um, and he actually 
never really put his skates on ever. He always just stood on the side. And so if I fell down, it was up to me to get up. No one was helping me. And then he would just go get a hot chocolate and then just put it on the side. And, you know, I'd make my way over to get my hot chocolate. And that's how he bribed me to get off my butt. Was it like one of those rank hot chocolates that's like a little watery? Yeah, that, little, You know, it's bit, like you can get yeah. a little watery in yeah, the rink. Yeah. It's not quite a hot chocolate. Yeah, so the rink was outdoor and then the concessions was inside. So he'd always like keep going missing for like a second and then look out of the corner of my eye and then I, I, I knew what time it was exactly what was going on so so your dad never put on the skates which kudos to him yeah you're gonna have to figure yeah. it out yourself in many ways uh-huh. did he play it all though was no it- not at all I, honest to god i don't know why he um wanted me to skate um my dad's from um He's from Nova Scotia, a small town called uh, North Preston. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of really where, like, black hockey kind of started. There was a book he gave me when I was younger called Black Ice, and it talked about, um, you know, the hockey league that they had out in Nova Scotia and and all the black people that were playing hockey out there. And, um, you know, it really opened up my eyes. Willie, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna say. Well, yeah. Will you go ahead with the Willie? Well, o- I was just gonna say Willie O'Ree story yep. is well known. I presume you've had a chance to meet him on oh, many definitely. occasions. Yeah. Uh, what was it like the first time you met him? I mean, having read about the history and yeah. your dad, you know, it emphasizing was, it. It was a treat. It was, I was starstruck. I remember the first time I met him was my first year in Los Angeles, and um, you know, my agent Eustace King also works with Willie O'Ree, so Willie came down with his wife and daughter and stuff like that, and they were at the game and. Um, he's like, you're going to meet Willie today. I'm like, really? I'm like, because obviously that's my idol, right? Growing up, that was the first black hockey player I knew. My parents made sure I knew who Willie O'Ree was. So um, getting that first opportunity to meet him was, um, you know, it was a dream come true. And, um, you know, I've had many encounters with him since then. And um, he's just, he, he's awesome. And, um, you know, I, I wrote an article in the Players' Tribune about Willie and, um, I, I meant literally every single thing I said, you know, he was like an astronaut, you know, um, you know, the first black player to play and, you know, just getting time to getting the chance to spend time with him over the years um he hasn't changed one bit he's so jovial he's so happy and he's just like you know it's like he's 20 years old and he's playing in the nhl again he just has so much spirit when did your hand recover from the handshake because that's about as strong a yeah, as you'll yeah. ever get yeah no i think it took a little bit but um <laughs> no i was just so starstruck it was awesome is there anything pivotal i mean i'm sure there's many things but that you distinctly remember from maybe that first conversation with him um you know he he was just so down to earth you Mm -hmm. know he just made me feel so welcome and um he didn't make it seem like like i don't even know if he knew the magnitude of like like how like i felt when i was meeting him right so it was just such a like down to earth conversation It it was it was so natural like organic and um you know, obviously, you know, he, he goes about it the right way, and it, it was amazing. You know, race is such a third rail, and I don't know why we're afraid to discuss it, but how important is it to you? I mean, P.K. Subban, another, yep. you know, black player on the team, and there are more coming into the league and, and so on and so Mike forth. Mike Greer, one of the coaches yep. as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. How important is it to you to see others get that opportunity, or, or do you not see? No, you know what? I, I think it's huge. To see mm-hmm. that, because if I hadn't saw guys like Willie, like obviously Greerzy, Jerome McGinley, Mike Marson, um, guys like that come up, Tony McKegney and play in the NHL, I wouldn't be here today, right? So I, I think it's important, um, you know, for me as being a black hockey player to, you know, give kids, you know, other black kids, you know, the hope, that, you know, that if I can do this, you can do this too. Um, because it's certainly something that, you know, I think hockey is an extremely expensive sport and, you know, it, not everybody can afford to play hockey, yeah. but 
if you do get the opportunity and you are able to lace up the skates, um, you know, I'm living proof that, you know, it, it is a possibility. I think everyone who's met Wayne Simmons really does uh, enjoy his company. He's such an engaging guy. Now, the barriers that he addressed different from mm-hmm. someone who's breaking a different kind of barrier, and I don't want to merge them at all. They are separate and distinct, but you come from Texas. There are some <laughs> barriers you're breaking in hockey. you got to find the ice, right? <laughs> like, that's the first barrier, right? You gotta, where's the ice? Uh, of course, uh, Plano, Texas, the hometown of the Devils, Blake Coleman. And the thing about Blake is he has, listen, he's focused on the ice. He's a determined tiger on the ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just never stops going. But he's got a broad view about life and about things that he is involved in now and is going to be involved in when the career is over. Look, I mean, everyone knows it's the pickle juice, which has become a bit of a family affair. So when did you discover the power of pickle juice? (laughs) Uh, Was that an early thing or was it like an NHL thing? I have to ask because I feel Absolutely. like we can't not, you know, delve into. I think most bit. people know, but yeah. uh, pickle juice helps you in terms oh, yeah, of sorry, avoiding yeah. cramps. Yeah, you discovered that, it, and now you know you're a pickle mogul. <laughs> I don't know if that fits on a business card. <laughs> Blake Coleman, pickle juice mogul, but pickle so juice when, mogul. When that, like, how, like how does one? Well, is that like an internet thing where you're like looking up how to? It wasn't. I actually so my. My family's all just chronic crampers. My dad played tennis, football, you know, for a long time and had problems with cramping. My brother, uh, college tennis, same thing. Yeah. Um, it's like it's bad. It's to the point where I remember in college, I was thought I was gonna have to quit hockey because I couldn't finish really? a game. I couldn't finish games. I would get into the third period, my legs would just start seizing up, and uh, I tried everything um, to the point where I was I was pretty desperate. And I was like, whatever people had to say, I was trying it. Like, you would just do whatever. Yeah, I was pouring salt down my throat, like, whatever. Um, and then I remember we were in Colorado, and and uh, one of my teammates was like, oh, you got to try this pickle juice for the altitude. I do it for the altitude for my cramps. And I'm like, pickle like, juice. Wait, what? So he had a jar of pickles, on, not unlike myself, on uh, opening night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was like, all right, give me a little shot of that or whatever. So I, you know, I took a few shots of his little pickle juice, and... Uh, made it through the game, cramp free for the first time. And out- I've never made it through an out two game, uh, so the first time, I was like, "Oh, it's- maybe it's a weird coincidence." So I tried it a few more times, and that was it. I didn't cramp. I haven't cramped since in a game, um, unless I forget my juice. <laughs> yeah, it's <a> quick <laughs> reminder. Yeah, the-, the first year was tough. Whoops. I'd go hunt down a Whole Foods or a Kroger or whatever and try to find some pickle juice for the game. On the road. Um, now it's carried in the yeah in the stock of Gatorade. And yeah, all of that's that. right. <laughs> and so now I just uh, that's the motivation between uh, or to make my own was just to have it on on hand for me. But uh, I don't have that issue anymore. And yeah. conveniently, Blake sits in the locker room right next to the fridge, so you can like <laughs> keep an eye on. I mean, there were pickles in there for a long time. That's right. I mean, Maddie then, made me a few one time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. Little little known yeah, fact, a little little new trait I can make. I, I am a pickle maker, that's it. not a mogul, <laughs> but I do grow pickles. And that's in, like a family over the business summer. for you, because I know your sisters are heavily involved. I mean, you know, we all think of Blake and and this idea of like the pickle juice, but your entire family is involved in this process, right? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, my sisters are both 
very talented. Um, one's a graphic designer. Um, so it was a lot of fun to work with her. She did all the, the design work with um, P20 like and the... Discovering, or like the, the actual pickle guy himself. Yeah, yeah. she... Uh, well, her and her friend, uh, uh, Katie, made that uh, pickle character, and they've kind of had some fun with that. And uh, she did everything, like the whole, from the website, to, she helped design it all. So uh, it's cool to like spend that with her and, and obviously um, help her out if I can financially. Um, and then my younger sister as well. She got, she came on late, so she got the logistical stuff. But is that another way of saying she got the grunt work? Of yeah, the business? yeah, and she's the little sister, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah she's you know, the youngest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're great, and we get, to, you know, it gives us a good reason to catch up and and talk, and uh, and obviously we we do it, you know, we have the charity side of it, which is which is also great. Um, you know, if we can give back through through pickles, and you know, you know, it's great. Uh, I think it's great. I like pickles. I'm not sure. I'm I not doing the juice. No, I. I listen. I don't In have, any capacity, I'm not doing the juice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't suffer from cramps. It works. So, for those who need it, you know where to find it. Uh, Blake Coleman, the entrepreneur on the team. But really, I'm not downing a glass of pickle juice. Sorry. Favorite type of pickle? I just love straight dill pickle. How about uh, you? Uh, cornichon, like just ooh. a yeah. Little cornichon. You know what I had the other day what? when we were in. Denver. Now I know that you weren't on that trip, but they had a little setup in downtown Denver, mm-hmm. uh, holiday stalls, and they were sharing Scandinavian food mm-hmm. and Germanic food down through the. I had a raclette. Oh, oh, the best from Switzerland. The best, and they have these gherkins in them. Oh, so oh, good. Oh, awesome, <laughs> awesome. So it's a, it's basically a cheese sandwich. Uh, you can have it with ham. I choose not to. But anyway, uh, gherkins and onions and mustard. Oh, that sounds oh, delicious. Oh, my goodness. It was delicious. Recommended, by the way, by a Twitter follower and seconded by Nico Heischer. There who said go. He was told about it, and he said you should try it, and I <laughs> did. So I like to say sometimes life, to borrow from Forrest Gump, is indeed like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Oh, I and know where we're going here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably the best, the most engaging, the most interesting in many ways podcast guest was Miles Wood. I mean, he he took us on a ride. I mean, he could have like led the entire podcast. He was just, you know, you look at Miles, you hear from Miles in the context of work, and you don't, I, I don't know if... I would have ever guessed that he would have these types of conversations that he had with us. He was just, I mean, both of us left that podcast being like, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listens to real estate podcasts. podcasts. He, he reads books. Not that, you know, that was shocking. But yeah, there was a depth there that I didn't know Same. from watching him be a blur up and down the ice and playing in that somewhat reckless bowling ball <laughs> style of his, which endears him to the fans. What I also didn't know is, as much as he makes a living on the ice, he loves living or playing on the water. And I know you're a guy who's, you know, out on the boat a lot. Mm-hmm. We see, you post on your yeah. social media mm-hmm. that you're always out on the boat. What do, what do you enjoy most about that? Um, it's the same thing as fly fishing. Um, you know, I, I love to fish. And uh, I think uh, this, this summer we caught, uh, my friends and I, we caught some tuna which was really cool. Um, we Did caught you about eat it, it or no, did you throw no, it back? we didn't. So, uh, during the tuna season, um, there's only so many tunas that you can catch. Okay. And once that is met, um, if you do catch a tuna, you have to release it back and wait for the next, you know, month or so in order to catch it. 
Um, so that so we were in a week where if you caught a tuna, you had to throw mm -hmm. it back. So the tuna that we caught was about 900 pounds. Wow. And, and it took us four hours to reel it in. Wait, so it was really what? cool. Four yeah. hours to reel mm -hmm. it in? Because it's like, I know nothing about yeah. fishing. Because yeah, it's like so, fighting you? Yeah. So well, I mean, It doesn't want to come out of the <laughs> yeah, water. I, I yeah, get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get and, and, that. And it's got, four, a big, it's got a big piece of metal yeah, in yeah, it. So like four you know? hours seems crazy. Four hours. Yeah. Three and a half, four hours. Um, so it was really cool. Uh, but, you know, just like the bulls, I mean, the tunas are absolutely like strength wise they're insane yeah and um yeah so we just followed the tuna around try to tire it out it took four wow. hours to do it wow so. incredible crazy. battle yeah. out there yeah. on the sea <laughs> um you you're from manchester mm -hmm. uh by the sea but you were born in buffalo yeah right that happens a lot like john mm -hmm. hayden is listed as being born in chicago mm -hmm. and then i talked to him the other day he said well i really kind of grew up in greenwich yeah, connecticut in greenwich, yeah. so it's not always your birth place that you have them. Yeah. So that's where your dad was from. playing, right? Uh, no, so uh, weird story about that. Yeah, he did he play did, for, yeah. the for the Sabers. Yeah. Um, Randy Wood, by the way, for those who yeah. aren't aware. Mm -hmm. But uh, but at the time, he was playing in Toronto. Oh. And so we went over the border back to the United States just because he didn't want to deal with like dual citizenship, and also he wanted me be, uh, to become the president of the United States one day. Okay. <laughs> So we went across the world the United States. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. How's that working out? I'm going to say, we're going to have to talk to Randy about this. <laughs> Presidential so, aspirations. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I was born there. Um, didn't spend much time there because uh, from Toronto, I think he went to Dallas and then Dallas back to the island. So uh, I was on the island uh, probably from one years old probably to 12 years old and then back up to the boston area what do you remember about his career uh did you get not, to see many much. games no i know because he retired i think in 97 so i was two years old at that point yeah not, yeah not a lot of memories had a lot of speed like you he could skate but i saw some highlights of him so uh it's cool to see that yeah, yeah. so you kind of grew up in an nhl household i mean he might have been young or you might have been young when he retired but mm -hmm. you grew up having a dad who played and had a very good career in the NHL. How did that help playing hockey? Um, it certainly did help a lot. Um, you know, he was also uh, very fair uh, with, you know, Tyler and I. And um, But, you know, overall, I think for him, um, you know, he, he played, he played you know, 12 years or, you know. and uh, But I think for him, I think it was more growing up as a kid rather than growing up as a hockey player. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's so important. Um, you know, you hear stories about all the time, you know, kids playing 12 months a year of hockey. And my dad was not like that at all. And he said, you can play hockey for four months. And for the next eight months, you have to, you know, play, you know, tennis, golf, lax, you know, whatever you want to do, but you're not playing hockey for 12 months out of the year. And I think that was a really cool thing that uh, my mom and dad did with Tyler and I is because, you know, it's not life isn't all about trying to be a professional athlete. If it happens, it happens. You know, you shouldn't be. This is the only way to do it. Um, so I think, you know, schooling was very important for them, too. Uh, I went to prep school and then went to college, um, still taking classes. Nice. Um, yeah. How far out from possible uh, I'm graduation? I'm a junior right now. Okay, so good. I left after freshman year, so I'm a junior technically credit-wise. Um, so that's one promise that I made to my parents is that if I were to leave college, mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd still 
um, pursue that uh, degree. And uh, but you know, overall, I think that the way they raise me, it should be transferred into you know how people are raised today. Yeah. And unfortunately, we don't see that enough. But you know, I'm not in charge of the parents out there. But mm-hmm. I think I think personally, um, if you are a parent and you hear this, I think it's important to broaden their horizon. Don't narrow in on one thing. Never had the opportunity to reel in a 900-pound tuna, or quite frankly, a tuna of any kind. It's like going round and around waiting to... And, and chasing them down and, and things like Crazy. that. Crazy. I yeah. mean, if, if you've listened to a lot of our podcasts, you know that fishing is a very big thing in the devil's locker room. There's a lot of guys who love to fish. And on occasion, when you're just standing around the locker room, you'll you'll hear them talking about their fishing expeditions. Yeah, but none that I hear about going out to sea. It's like the old man <laughs> yeah. in the sea with Miles Wood, uh, who lives uh, right on the water there in Manchester. Right by the sea. <laughs> Manchester by the sea, Massachusetts. So, Amanda, that's uh, it for... 2019 what are you hoping for in 2020 oh man so much maddie (laughs) so much and for me is that another podcast or yeah exactly that could be a podcast in and of itself amanda's Um, wishes for 2020 um just that this team continues to believe in themselves because you know if we're talking about what you want for the team because you're starting to see that you're starting to see a confidence grow and with that you know these individual players can grow into their roles there's a a big loss without Taylor Hall but even now you're starting to see some of the young guys take on that opportunity and I just hope that, you know, the team can be successful in that way. Yeah, hoping for a great finish to the season. That'll wrap it up for this podcast where we recap some of the uh, podcasts that we've produced since the start of the season, bring you excerpts. We hope that you've enjoyed them. There'll be plenty more podcasts coming up in the new year. Thanks for your company, everyone. For Amanda C. Stein. Happy holidays. I'm Matt Lachlan. So long, everyone.